0: Joshua chapter one. I'm going to be sharing a message uh, with you that I I really wrote uh some years ago, and uh it's really one of my most uh, one of my favorite portions of scripture, my favorite Bible character. Uh and I really felt the Lord had put it on my heart to share this word. Actually. Uh, it's been a couple weeks because um, I really felt like I was supposed to share it another time, and and I didn't. But I couldn't shake it, so I know that this is the Lord, and you know we're going to uh, we're going we're gonna go for it today. Verse one, it says, "After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua the son of Nun." Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. And you and all the people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I have said to Moses, from the wilderness and his Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites. And the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory, and no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right hand or the left hand, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night and observe observe to do all according to that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The title of my sermon is Great Seek secrets of greatness. Let's pray. Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we come before you, Lord, with this great request, Lord, that you would help a man like me proclaim the word of God, Lord. I pray against any distraction or anything that would come against preaching the gospel, Lord. I pray that our hearts will be prepared for your word as soil is prepared for seed, Lord. I pray, Father, all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Great secrets of greatness. You know, as many of you, you've probably all had people in your life that you look to uh, as examples or, you know, as, as for lack of a better word, idols or, 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 or people that you were impressed by or people that, 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 that accomplished things and did things that, that you would love to do in your life. I mean, I think we've all had them. Chances are, when we were younger, uh, some of the things that we, well, people that we admired, we probably, if we're a little older now, probably are almost embarrassed that these people were important to us. But nevertheless, you know, we all uh, want to be like Mike, I guess. At some point in our life, we look to people like idols. And we look to people that we want to have what they have and to be what they, they are. I know I have one of my sons, he's 11 years old, and he tells, keeps on telling me lately over the last couple months that he wants to play for Alabama on their football team. And, and oh, that is a great, great endeavor. That is wonderful. And, man, I really hope it happens. But sometimes uh, as we get older, things begin to change. Because I remember a few years back, he used to tell me he wanted to be, uh, what's the the, the 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 one who digs up the, the bones of... Uh, dinosaurs, a paleontologist. He used to tell me for years, Dad, I want to be a paleontologist, and now he doesn't want to be a paleontologist. What am I trying to say is we all look to people and different uh, personalities and characters uh, of of what we want to be like, and this man Joshua to me was a man who had it going on. I mean, this guy was the heavyweight champion of the Old Testament. He 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 had thirty one battles, thirty one battles, and the only battle he ever lost, and you can find it, I think, is in Joshua chapter seven, is when he battled uh, the uh, the nation of Ai. Ai, right? He got beat by them, and he couldn't understand why that he was defeated by an enemy because at that point he was undefeated. Everyone the Lord told him to go up against, he annihilated and destroyed them. Even when he uh, when Israel as we know as the most part was was the underdog, but regardless he would always overcome, and the one time he didn't, he went to the Lord to find out why. Uh, why was I defeated? And 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 he was told there was sin in his camp. So he went and he uncovered the sin that was in his camp. He got rid of the sin in the camp, and then he went back and he defeated I. So really, I mean, he's the un- he was the undisputed champion of the Old Testament. A great leader. So because he had such success and because he had such a great promise, I mean, you read that, those verses that I read to you, I mean, that is, like, awesome. Like, like this is, like, incredible. God's telling him, like, listen, you know, you're the guy in charge now. The old is past. He tells him, I'm doing a new thing. I mean, I mean, I mean that's exciting. Like, listen, like, you're getting the promotion. Like, Moses was over the whole nation, but now you got the job. I have a feeling that Joshua, like most people that God God chooses, probably wasn't even lobbying for the position. But yet the Lord saw fit to give it to him. And he was successful. And, he, and, and and the Lord was with him. What a, an encouragement to know God is with you. I mean, I'm telling you, that's one of my prayers, and I'm sure it's one uh, for many of you. You just pray that God is with you, man. You pray, Lord, I just want to do what you want me to do. I just want to honor you with my life and my decisions, and I don't care where I go, what I do, what I have to go through. I just need to know that you're with me. Has anybody ever been there, or maybe you're there now. I try to stay there, man. Lord, I don't care. I'm not asking. I'm not asking for riches. I'm not asking for fame. I'm just asking for your presence in my life. And as long as your presence is with me, I'll go up against anything. I'll go anywhere. And I'll I'll gladly do anything just to serve you and to know that you are with me and know that I have your endorsement. Because, listen, the endorsement of man is, is great. And the endorsement of man is wonderful. But that only gets you so far. The endorsement of heaven on your life is really what we need ought to be after. And Joshua had that. He had a promise from God. He had a promise that, that he was going to be with them. He said, he, said he, he had a promise that God was going to do a new thing. He told him not to be afraid and not to worry because, because God promised him, listen, I will fight for you. You will have victory no matter where you go. I mean, that is an awesome, awesome, awesome promise. How would you like to know? That you're gonna have victory everywhere you go. How would you like to know that every place you put your, 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 your every place you put the sole of your shoe is gonna be yours? I mean, that is an awesome, awesome promise. And I want to be like Joshua, man. I want to. I want to live in that kind of promise for my life. You know, and 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 like many people and many of us is, is, is we, like, we've looked at people that had things that we wanted, maybe maybe money or maybe fame or position or power, and, and you look at those uh, people and you say, man, I want what they want. But the, the reality is, is we're not always willing to go through what that same person went through to get to where they got. I mean, I hear it all the time. I mean, most of us, if I took an inventory of what every one of you guys want out of life, for most of it, Eighty percent of your answers are all gonna be the same thing. I mean, it's like everybody wants to have a, oh, I just wanna, you know, have, have a you know, a place to live and you know, I'd like to have a wife and maybe some kids and, you know, a good job and you know, I'd nice to have a car and, you know, be self sufficient and be able, you know, to help mom and, and everything like that. We all, we all want those things. Those are common things, man. We all want that. We all want that. And then there's some other things that are a little bit uh, unique, you know. Uh, you know, we have different desires and different different things that we want. I mean, some might want to live in the city and some want to live in the woods and some just want to be able to go fishing and, you know, some some want to go shopping. Pastor Will likes to do both, but, but uh, fishing and shopping, probably at the same time with his fishing pole and Amazon, I think. But what am I saying is, as I'm saying is, is, is Joshua had it, man. He had the promise of all promises. And we look at his life and we say, man, how did he get to that place? Because I want to know. I want to know how he was, so, I want to know how every enemy was defeated. I want to know why everywhere he went he was going to find success. Because, you know, not for nothing, I would like a little success. I would like a, some victory in my life. I would like, you know, to know that the God and the creator of the universe is with me. I mean, that's awesome. It's awesome. So I want to know. Just like, you know, if we're an athlete, we study other athletes, and I want to be like, you know, LeBron James. And if you're a basketball player, you know, you probably love watching their life story. I love true stories. I love biographies, and I like watching Things like that, or reading, or th- or, or those kind of things. I love reading about some of some of the people and preachers that God has used uh, throughout throughout time, and that God has used for revival and you know for great awakenings and stuff. And I love reading about that because I often want to know what made them different, or what did they have, what characteristics. What decisions were they making in their life? What disciplines did they have in their life? What made them so particular that God chose them for what he chose them for? And I have that desire. So I had that desire for Joshua. Why was he so great? And I've learned, I've learned in my walk with the Lord that there are some things that get the attention of God. How do we know that? In John 4 it says God seeks true, true, true worship, worshipers worship in spirit and truth. So we know that God looks for certain things. He looks for worshipers. We know that God looks for obedience. There's so many scriptures about obedience including this one, but you know in 1 Samuel 15:22 obedience is better than sacrifice. God it was not concerned about about uh, your your giving or your sacrifice or or what you do for him. He's he's more concerned about you just obeying. We know that God Honors and, 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 and giving gives His attention. You know, when you give, you grab the attention of the Lord. Proverbs 11.25 says, one who waters shall be watered himself. So God watches out for the giver. Giving give, grabs God's attention. And he says that he'll continue to, 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 to give seed to the sower. Why am I saying that? Because I'm saying that there are principles and there are things that that God looks at in our lives and and behaviors and attitudes of the heart and and these things. He he looks at and he looks to bless those kind of attitudes, those kind of obediences. So we look at people that have gotten it right. If you're a student in a program, you may look at some of the staff or you may look at some of the pastoral staff and say, well, how did they get to where they are? You know, because for me, I sat in your seats. I was a a student. I was a a drug addict. I was an absolute disaster, an absolute mess in every shape of the form, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. My character was shot. I mean, just an absolute train wreck. Just like most of you guys, if you be honest about it. It was a train wreck. But now people say, oh, man, you know, I want what you want. How'd you get this? Well, it's been a process. But there are some things I had to do and some some attitudes I had to take on. And there's some decisions and some 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 adjusting I had to do to my my thinking. And I, I had to uh, learn spiritual disciplines like, well, for me to learn what God likes and, and how God wants us to live. I had to read the Bible. I mean, you can't be godly without knowing what godliness is. So it's like, well, if, if, if God wants me to obey him, I have to learn what he wants me to obey. So I had to learn a word. That's why we have to read the Bible, folks. If you want, you can't please God without knowing what he wants you to do. And how do we know what he wants us to do? It's in his word. It's in his word. That is that is the final say on all things. It's his word. We know that unity grabs God's attention. It says how good and pleasant is what? uh, is when brothers remain in unity in Psalm 133. And I'm just listing a couple things because I want to establish uh, the fact that God blesses certain things and sees certain behaviors and certain attitudes of the heart. The Bible says that God doesn't look at the outside but or appearance. He looks at the inside, the condition of the heart. So what, what, what's the condition of Joshua's heart or what, what behaviors or disciplines did he have in his life to be able to have such a great promise. Because I want to know, I want to know why God found him special. Why the Lord called him and anointed him. Why, why God said, listen, you're going to be the next guy. I mean, he served under Moses and, and he did all those things. But I'm sure, I'm sure Moses had a bunch of servants. But not all of them were chosen, just this one. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Or part of the reason why. Oh, wow. Okay. Joshua understood these four secrets. And, and that's why the title of the sermon is Great Secrets to Success. Because in studying the life of Joshua, this is what I found that made him stand out from anybody else. Joshua understood servanthood and spiritual authority. If we look at through all through the scriptures, any time that they mention Joshua... What do they call him? And what else? The son of Nun. For those of you guys, Nun doesn't mean that he wasn't born from anybody. Nun was his dad's name. So he was Joshua. If you read it, just keep on reading. If you read about him, it says Joshua, the son of Moses. Even even later in scripture, Joshua, the servant of Moses, the son of Nun. Because Joshua. God established in his scriptures that Joshua was a man of spiritual authority and covering. He was a man of servanthood and spiritual authority. See, your first assignment in life, and I'll tell you this, and, and, and I can say this boldly and strongly. If you're not willing to serve under somebody else or serve somebody else's dream, God will never give you your own. I'm telling you that. I will, tell, I will stand here right now. And tell you this: if you think that you're gonna be a Lone Ranger and you're gonna be about numero uno and you're gonna and, and and in any way that you're gonna bring glory to God and that God's gonna promote you and God's gonna give you this and give you that, he will not. Jesus came as a servant, even Jesus came and submitted himself to the Father. In fact, Jesus submitted himself to all of us, if you think about it, and became a servant to each one of us. And if you don't understand spiritual authority in your life, you will never be promoted by God, never be promoted in the spirit. That it is so very important that you learn to serve and to be obedient and to walk under spiritual authority. It says he was Joshua the servant of Moses. So he was known as a servant and a son. And if, and, and if you want to get the attention of God and you want to find success in your life, you have to come to the place where you realize that I have to learn not only to be a servant but to be a son. And that I have to come under some kind of spiritual authority in my life. and Some kind of covering in my life. God establishes that in scripture. He establishes it right here is that Moses did not get promoted to being the leader or to being, uh, uh, to being the, the head hachu or the man in charge until he had learned how to come under and serve somebody else's dream, serve somebody else. And we see that in his life. We also see that in, in, in another uh, great leader's name. We see uh, uh, in, in David, David probably one of the greatest leaders the greatest king in Israel, and yet although he slayed the giant and although we see him as a conquering king and a great warrior, more than that and before that, we see that he was a shepherd and that he went into the sheep pasture and that he served his father He put himself so low on the totem pole that he was not even noticed in his household that when they were going to anoint a king that his own brothers and his own father didn't even think about bringing David in from the sheep pasture to even be an option to be the next king. Yet, how many people know that God has vision and eyes, and he sees everything. And, and although you may feel like you're not seen, and although you may feel like uh, what you're doing, and, and, and when you're submitting and when you're coming under, you may feel like uh, no, nobody notices. And I'm here to tell you that God does notice. God does see the, the condition and the position of your heart. And in Teen Challenge, we don't teach obedience and authority and all that just because we want to control you or just because we want to keep order. It's because understanding this, that if you do not learn how to submit your your heart and your life to another man, you can never submit to God. The Bible says it. It says you can't love. You can't even love God if you can't love, if you're not loving who you cannot see if you can't love a a man that you can't. And if you think that you're not going, if you're just going to buck against the system and you're going to do your own thing and you think that that's going to be pleasing to God, you are so wrong. So wrong. And if you want me to, you know, bring up scriptures or Romans 13 and Hebrews chapter 7 and Timothy chapter 3, I mean, we can go into it. I'm sure you guys learned that in the classes with Pastor Winston. But I am here to tell you today That if you want the blessing and the favor of God, and you want to walk in the promises of God, you must learn to submit yourself to spiritual authority. And put yourself second. Remember, he's Joshua, the servant of Moses and the son of Nun. Number two. I'm going to move quickly through these things. The secret of sight and vision. Sight and vision. The one thing about about Joshua that made him different, not only that he came under spiritual authority and was a servant, he also had a different kind of vision and he saw things differently. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 6 to 9, it says this, now, this is when when Moses is sending the spies into to land, the land flowing with milk and honey, into the land that they're supposed to get, the land that was promised to them. Look at what it says in the scripture. It says, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they're saying, should, should, isn't it better just for us to go back to be slaves? It's like you saying, isn't it Better for me to go live under a bridge and and be a slave to heroin? That's what what it was like them saying, because things were a little difficult and things weren't exactly comfortable for them. They were murmuring and they were complaining. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, there it is again, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, Jephna, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore off their clothes. They were serious. They got like naked. You better take notice of this. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us, so do not fear them. Listen, you cannot be victorious and be a victim at the same time. And, and Joshua had a different way of looking at things, because when everyone else was saying, oh, there's giants over there, oh, this is going to be too hard, oh, let's just go be... Back to our slavery. Let's just go back to the way it was. This is, just, this is just so bad. Joshua said, I don't see it that way. The way I see it, I see there's a land flowing with milk and honey. And I see that God's promise is right in front of me. And I think, yeah, that's, there are some enemies. And yes, this might be a little bit difficult. But remember, God is with us. And we have a promise. So why are we going to fear these grasshoppers? But yet they saw things differently. Just two of them. Just two of them. All the other ones were defeated. They were victims. Oh, you brought us out in here to die. This is no good. I can't believe, man, I got to wake up at 6 a.m. Oh, my God, lights out. Oh, God, I got to walk again. Oh, my God. They gave us peanut butter and jelly again. It was better living under the bridge. Murmuring and complaining. But the one that God blesses is the one that looks at it and says, you know what? I may be eating peanut butter and jelly today, but I know the Lord has something better for me. And I know the Lord's bringing me into a land flowing with milk and honey. And I know the Lord has something for me. So I'll eat this peanut butter sandwich happily right now because God's got something better for me. God's got something better for me. Something I used to tell myself when I was a student and an intern and year one and year two and year three and year four and year five and year six and year seven living in the men's home. You guys drove me nuts. I used to tell myself things are not always going to be this way, Paul. God has something for you. The same way I did it. In six months in the program was year six, just waiting on God. I know God has something for me. I know God has something. He, he has my wife. He has my family. He has my ministry. I know he has something for me. While well, everybody else is complaining and leaving and coming back and going, finish three months and go back and shoot dope again for another two years and come back and just come back. And I'm getting the phone calls every day, guys I went through the program with just yesterday from another program. A guy that was my mentor when I was a student has probably done five restorations since I've been in the ministry. Again, left. Left. It's like, dude, what are you doing He's been doing this for 25 years in Teen Challenge. 25 years. But we do it, man. We do it because our eyesight is messed up. Our vision is messed up. We get so caught up in now and we don't look ahead and say, God has something better for me. Yes, today is a little difficult and it's not perfect. But guess what? When you get to the promised land, it's still not perfect. And it's still hard. Creature tells a story, had a piece of property he was trying to sell because he wanted to buy a, 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 a he wanted to buy a, a home by the lake, always wanted a home by a lake, always wanted to have hills and, and uh, loved to have animals like he had like, you know, his own like, I don't know, deer and antelope and all these things, he loved animals. And uh, he had a flat piece of land. He had no pond, no lake, nothing. And he was just trying to sell it for years, and he couldn't get rid of it. He was walking through the property with another minister friend of his. And he's walking through, and he's telling him, man, I've been trying to sell this property for so long. This is what I want. I'm waiting on God. I'm praying about it. I'm believing he's going to give it to me. I just can't. I just uh, just don't see it yet. It's just this property. It just won't sell. I've reduced the price. I don't know what's going on. And, and, and the one preacher said to, to this gentleman, he said, hey, he said, did you ever think about just taking some dirt out of over here and moving it to over here and taking a little bit more of that dirt and moving it over here and you can make some hills out of that dirt and out of the hole that you dig, you can, you know, make your own lake right here and, and, then, and then you can plant some trees over here and then, and then you could have a lakefront property right here on the same piece of property you have. What am I trying to tell you? Sometimes it's just about your eyesight, it's about the way you're looking at things because he couldn't see anything there. He couldn't see couldn't see it till somebody says, Man, you got to adjust your vision, man. God has everything you need sometimes right under your nose. It's right there. And we go look for answers and you know and and, and and ways and come up with these strategies and these plans. And the Lord is just saying, like, man, just rest in me, man. I got that. I'll give that to you. Just rest in me. Just trust me. Because when I give it to you, it won't be taken away. I've seen people go chase things and grab things and go have things for six months, a year, two years, and then they give it away again. My Bible says that that, that uh, Jesus, in, in John chapter uh, 15, he says this. He says, is it my desire that you bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, that you would not give it away, that you would not lose it, that it wouldn't get burned up again. When God gives you something, it's for good. It's for good. And we go chasing after all these things and these ideas and when it's not from God, we wind up giving it up again and giving it away, and we're not able to hold on to it. But we have to have vision, sight. The other things, and this might be the most powerful and the most profound, Is found in Exodus chapter thirty-three, verse seven to eleven, and Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar from the camp, uh, uh, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of congregation. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up. And stood every man at the tent door and and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked to Moses. So more or less, Moses is building, builds a a church, (laughs) builds a tent. And he goes in there each day and he meets with the Lord. And the people would wait outside for him to come out to give them and deliver the word of the Lord. And all the people saw the cloud pillars stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man at the tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friends. That's incredible. He would return to the camp. Now Moses would be at the tabernacle it's outside the camp, and he would return to the camp. But his and this is it. This is this, this, this guy. If you can grab a hold of this. But his servant Joshua, once again, the servant son of Nun, continues to reiterate the fact that he was a man under authority. A young man did not depart from the tabernacle. What would happen when they would go back to the camp? If, if any of you guys read the, read, read the early part of the Bible in, in Exodus, you'll know that whenever they would come back, they would find the, the people doing what? They were worshiping false idols. They were at sexual immorality. They were murmuring. They were complaining. They were just doing all sorts of craziness. And then Moses would have to come back, and he would have to set them straight. All sorts of stuff is going on in the camp. As you could imagine, this is a town of people. You know, we go into town. There's craziness in town. But when he would leave, Joshua would stay up at the, te- the tent. And at this point, Joshua is about 13 or 14 years old. How many 13 or 14-year-old boys or men, however, which way you want to call it, would want to stay at the tabernacle or would they want to run back to the town where all the stuff is going on, where all the action is, where all his friends are? But yet he stood at the presence of the Lord instead of running back. Now you read that and you say, oh, that's great for Joshua. Joshua was a 13 or 14-year-old boy at this point. And, yo, know, this, this young man is making decisions to stay in the presence of the Lord and consecrate himself instead of going back to all the debauchery and everything else that was going on in the camp. You understand that, that God has called us as a people to be separate and consecrated unto himself. And that if you want the blessing of the Lord, and you want the you want to have the same success that Joshua had, and you want you want to walk in your promises, and you want to have the Lord back you up, and you want to have Him, him confirm uh, that, that you're His and that you're His man, you have to separate yourself and consecrate yourself to the Lord. You know, it's really easy to say, "Oh, I want God to bless me," but yet I want to live like hell. And I want to do everything and chase the things of the flesh and chase the things of the world and do everything everybody else is doing but claim that I'm some kind of Christian or claim that I'm some follower of Jesus. But there ain't nothing in your life showing that. So it's easy to claim the promises. It's easy to claim the blessings. But are you willing to consecrate yourself? Are you willing to separate yourself from the the camp and say, you know what? Uh, They can go out and do what they're doing over there. They can do their gossiping and their complaining and their carousing and their false idol worship. But I am going to stay and I have made the decision and I have made the choice that I am going to stay in the presence of the Lord because His presence is more important to me than the presence of everybody else. I know a lot of people that that ministries are blessed. Me and Pastor Will talk about it all the time. Anointed, uh, prosperous, successful. And people slander them and say this and say that. But if you would only understand the amount of time that they dedicate to being in the presence of the Lord, how they make that their priority, even one friend wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning, right, and prays from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. every single day, built a room in his house, in the center of his house, just so he can meet with the Lord. And then we want to look at him and say, oh, why is God doing that, and why are they having miracles, and why signs and wonders and all this thing? Well, they have consecrated themselves, and they have set themselves aside, and we want all the blessings of heaven, but we want to live like hell. And if you want God to stand behind you and you want to live in the promises of God, you have to separate yourself from the nonsense and the foolishness and say, Lord, I want you more than I want all that stuff. I want your uh, provision more than I want to go out there and do it on my own. I want your promises and blessing on my life. Consecration and separation. Joshua was consecrated. He was separated to the work of the Lord. So it's easy to say, man, why God tell him he's going to bless everywhere he steps? And why did God tell him, listen, you're going to have good success? And we could all read that and say, oh, I want that to be my scripture. Yeah, it could be your scripture, but is it going to be your lifestyle? And the last point, and I'm closing, and the worship team can come up. When God told Moses that servant was going to be, uh, when, when Joshua was going to be the one that had been chosen, when he had told him this. It's described in Numbers chapter 27, verse 18. God tells Moses in this verse, he says, take Joshua, the son of Nun, once again, continuing to highlight the fact that He's under authority, that he has a covering. It says, Take Joshua, the son of Nun. For he is a man whom in is the Spirit. Go and lay your hands on him. So he's a man of the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? He's a man of the Spirit. I can tell you what it doesn't mean. It means that he's not a man of the flesh. You know, we get so caught up on chasing things of the flesh. God wants us to be men of the spirit. You know, this was before the cross. This was before... The Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2 for all believers. But the Bible still declares he was a man of the Spirit. You know, there's a process when we come to the Lord of sanctification. Not positionally. When we get saved, positionally we're saved as we're ever going to be. With the Lord. I mean, whether you're saved one day, whether you're saved 20 years, I mean, Jesus, the, the finished work of the cross is enough. It's done. Positionally, you are sanctified. But there is a process of sanctification that goes on as you walk with the Lord, or should be going on as you walk with the Lord. And that's when things start to change. This gospel isn't about being perfect, it's not even about being good. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in that relationship, he'll give you the power and the wisdom and the understanding of what he wants from you and from your life. Through his word, through prayer, through ministering, teaching, fellowship with other, other Christians. But if you think that, you know, you're going to get the blessing, oh, I want the blessing of God, but I'm not going to be a man of the Spirit, then really it's the blessing of God. Because God isn't going to bless you and then send you to hell because you're not a man of the Spirit. That's not a blessing. Now, I don't know the position of somebody's heart, but there's some people out there I can name names, you know, whether in show business or whatever, have you and say, like, they have everything that this world has to offer. And I would have to say, by the fruit of their life, that they're not a man of the, or a woman of the spirit. They're a man, a woman of the flesh. And they have everything this world and the flesh has to offer. But yet, did God give that to them? Is God going to give you something that's going to lead you away from him so then you can perish and die in hell and spend eternity away from him? I don't think so. So the first things first, if you want the blessing of God on your life, now would some people say, oh, he's blessed. Well, if you don't have Jesus, he's not. A nice car doesn't make you blessed. It makes you have a nice car. I mean, you you might be blessed and have a nice car. I mean, that's part. But, I mean, your car don't make you blessed. Your house, your wife, your kids, that don't make you blessed. What makes you blessed? is in Christ, being in Christ. And that's just the start of things. Now, I would have to say that most of us in this room are in Christ. I don't know, maybe all, I I don't know. But I want to encourage you guys to go after the promises of God. I want to encourage you guys to seek after God's best for your life. But God's best for your life. And you know where you'll find that? By seeking Him. Not those things. Joshua 21, verse 43-45, through 45, it says, And the Lord gave them rest round about. He's talking about the nation of Israel. And according all that He swore unto their fathers... And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he swore unto their fathers, and they possessed it, and they dwelt in it. There stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all of their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. It all came to pass. That's what the word says, it all came to pass. Every promise... That God gave Joshua came to pass. It doesn't happen by accident, man. Spiritual authority, sight and vision, sanctification and consecration, and be a man of the Spirit. And everything that God has for you, every promise will come to pass. I promise, because I know it. I know it. We could stand real quick and bow our heads. Father, we don't want to walk in a blessing. We want to walk in your blessing. Your best for our life, Lord. Lord. We want to honor you with our lives. We want to bring pleasure to your heart. And if you see fit to bless us with other things and relationships and possessions, well, that's your business. We just want you. We want you.